Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. On today's episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast, I am joined by Tim Gwynn, President and CEO of PCH Technologies in Sewell, New Jersey. PCH helps businesses with their cybersecurity, their data infrastructure, pretty much anything that has to do with computers and their systems, right, Tim? That's right. Thanks, Jason. I'm very happy to be here today on your podcast here. We help businesses with their cyber and IT uh, cybersecurity concerns. We make sure that their business is up and running no matter what the circumstances are. Tim is also the brand newly installed chairman of the, is it chairman? I think it's executive chair. Executive of the, chair. chair of the Gloucester County Chamber of Commerce. And I, I was in person when he got sworn in. Very impressive. Laid out his vision. And we're excited to be working. We're, we're avid supporters of the Gloucester County Chamber, and we're excited to be working with you guys. Thank you, Jason. Thank Absolutely. You. So today we're going to talk a little bit about protecting yourself in cybersecurity and protecting yourself whether it's your family or your, your passwords and things like that, some general best practices, and just in general, how to make sure that you're not going to be taken advantage of financially or otherwise when it comes to the grand digital world out there. Yeah, definitely. The threats have really multiplied since COVID hit, you know, with people working from home, but people at home in general being kind of quarantined away. Yeah, absolutely. So what's some of the stuff that you've seen recently, especially over the last, say, 15 or 16 months since we've been dealing with quarantine, that was new? I would say there was really has been an uptick in employees with using social engineering. And let me go back and talk about what social engineering is. It's a way that someone will try to trick you into doing something. That would be via phone call, via an email. They want you to wire money they want you to give you a password. Sometimes it may be something innocuous that they you think you're. it's not a big deal that they're going to do that. But really, social engineering has been a big thing the past year or so. Well, that's interesting because it seems like there's a ton of ways to protect your computer from antivirus, anti-malware, all these things. And you think, all right, if I load my computer up and my device is up and I use a VPN, I do all these things that are meant to protect my traffic and what's on my computer, I'm good. But it sounds like that's totally not the case with these social engineering schemes. Right. You would think that would be the case. You know, you would, by putting the firewalls, getting all the technology in place, the only thing that's out there that really that could, this is more on the business side, is some, there's some artificial intelligence that can help with email. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, the social engineering, what happens is if you know if you get a, f- a phone call asking you to do something, you know it sounds like from a legitimate company. So I can give like an example if you want of like yeah. kind of what I've seen. So I had an example where well, two very smart people actually thought they were catching a, a Russian hacker. Wow. But what happened was they got a phone call. They really thought they were very crafted on how they actually made, made the phone call. And how they did it is they actually said – you know, we need you to send us, you know, $1,000. And then we're going to wire you the $1,000 right back because it has to go through, you know, a United States bank account. So what happened was that they wired the money out, they wired the money in, but all the time they were also hacking their, their email. They had full access to their computers. 
So they kept going on, kept going on, and they actually talked. They talked these people not to even contact their family. We couldn't reach them for an extended period of time because the hacker said this is a secret mission, and you're here. To, you're here to help the United States of America to catch these people. The phone number that came from looked like it was coming from Interpol. They had a map, you know, of them catching them, getting closer and closer and closer, and they kept increasing the dollar value of basically the money that it was. And at the end of the day, I think it was around thirty or forty thousand dollars that they were out. Oh, but they thought the money was coming and going out, but they were able to take it all, all out of the account at the end of the day with that financial thing. So two very smart people, but they were, you know, it sounds far-fetched, mm-hmm. but they're so good. You know, these these threat actors, they are out there, they're they make it seem so real, they make it seem so urgent. Sure. And it's an action. So if anybody's trying to get you to do something right away. I need you to do this now. If they're calling you up on the phone, say they are from Interpol or from FBI, whatever, you call them back or call the actual station that you're that you're connecting to find if it is, is real. And one of the big ways is finding your own phone number, like actually going on Google, going to the FBI website and calling that number as opposed to people don't realize that you can call. I know I have a Google voice number for one of my businesses and you can make it look however you want. You can make it look like it's coming from the FBI. You can make it look on caller ID. So it's not that hard. You're exactly right. So they could give you a number. Here, here's my number to call me back at where they're calling. You're calling them back at the FBI of some guy in a basement. Yeah, that, right. That's not, that's not the FBI. You're exactly right. And but, once you're in that loop of calling that number back and they're calling you back, you know, you're already in the web. Yep. You're already there. There's no, no question about that. The other big one that I've seen in the past, Microsoft is never going to call you about a virus on your PC. Okay, that's that's another big one I, I see out there. So what they're doing is they're saying that we found there's a virus on your computer, and what they'll do is they'll actually install you know viruses on your computer malware. They'll be able to you know put a what's called a keylogger, which will you know every keystroke that you type, they'll be able to read that, which include your username and passwords for your banking information and things like that. So. Microsoft's never going to call you have a virus or anything like that. We're a technical support company. You know, that's not a legitimate. You know, the social engineering leads to be the phone that's used a lot. We had it happen with somebody close to me in, in my own personal life. They were calling under the guise of being from Comcast and that they were going to they were calling to increase your internet speed. And it sounds innocuous enough. And you go on and, oh, it's great. They're calling me to, to give me a benefit. And sure enough, they download this plugin. But sounds very legitimate. But that could really be a problem because like you know, you mentioned to me when we did our pre-interview that you could have all this software, you could have all this stuff. But if you're the one essentially clicking on something and inviting them in, not much the software or anything could do to stop that because you're willingly putting yourself out there, obviously under the guise of whatever this person's telling you. But scary stuff. Yep, exactly. The other way, there's also email ploys out there where people send a link in you won the lottery or you're going to get a million dollars and you're clicking a link, that's going to try to install malware and things like that. If you do have good enough protection on there, you may be able to stop that type of, those type of links, depending on how extreme of a virus is or how targeted the attack, you know, possibly could be against you possibly. Sure. I know a lot of times uh, clients of ours or people that we speak to will ask us about the life locks of the world, these identity theft protection services, and you know, should they do it for $30 a month or $40 a month? I think it's important to understand what the limitations of those things are, even if they do come with some cybersecurity software alongside them or anything like that. And you, you had mentioned that there's only so much they'll cover, right? Right. So I think they're good for some like some protection. Some of them include like dark web monitoring, you know, some credit protection to know if, you know, some accounts are getting opened for you. 
But one of the things too, this applies for businesses as well as personal from cyber liability. So if you, and this is policy by policy specific, and you really need to read it, because if somebody tricks you into wiring money, you are actually wiring money to somebody. You know, Jason said you need 5,000 bucks. I would just, I'd send it to you, Jason. I'd just give you the five grand. You're good for it. <laughs> you're that kind of guy. Yeah, I just, you're, yeah. You're, you're good for it. But, you know, in the same respect, I willingly gave you the $5,000 and I'm giving a threat actor, you know, $5,000. They did not break in to my banking system and transferred $5,000 to them. That's the big difference. A yeah. lot of times if somebody, you know, breaches your account and they initiate the transfer fraudulently, that's the difference that I've seen in the in the cybersecurity policies, especially in the, in the business world. So you really have to be careful and read the fine print to see what would happen if you were, you know, a victim to a social engineering ploy. Yeah, because that's where it really gets deep. We've even seen it on the financial side. I know all of our custodians like Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade are constantly giving us training on how to detect these social engineering schemes where on our side of things, it looks like a client contacting us, but it's not. It may be somebody who hacked into that client's email address, saw them have an email back and forth with somebody from our team, somebody from our office, and just picked up on that and started emailing them from, looks like, from the client. And it's scary stuff because- you know, that's why we've started to implement policies. And I'm sure this is kind of the, the way you combat social engineering is if something looks even a little bit off, we're at the point where you can't trust where something says it's from. So if it says it's from your friend or it says it's from Comcast, or it's, you can't 100% trust that, right? You're exactly right. You have to really verify any type of wire transfers verbally, making sure you're definitely speaking to that person. One of the other things about the emails you, t- you mentioned sure. is that people will basically breach an email system. And they'll be in there and they won't know. They'll sit there for weeks, months, but they'll watch for, they'll see the kind of the activity as far as like when wire transfers happen, who they go to, the time of it. And they sit there like a viper or like in ready, ready to attack. Sure. You know, so as soon as it looks like it's the time, they'll insert, you know, make a fake email out and then transfer the wire instructions. It could be a busy time. And then somebody just may do it so that they are, they're watching everything too. So they're not just like a one-time hit. They're actually being... They're spending time. They're spending time to look at it, to you know, to do that. So that's the other thing to when you mention about emails and how careful you have to be. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I'm, I'm glad that we discussed that because you know everybody gets with cybersecurity and identity theft the idea that they're hacking things, and that I'm sure that happens too. But probably somewhat more dangerous is and something that's within your control as a consumer is being vigilant with these social engineering schemes because that's probably where you're going to get hit. You know, you can't control if you. Home Depot gets scammed or hacked and your credit card information is exposed, but you can control if you become victim of one of these, you know, social engineering schemes and you give willingly your information because you legitimately believe that, you know, you're part of this Interpol investigation or whatever. So when we think about general best practices for keeping yourself safe when it comes to cybersecurity, what are some of the things that PCH recommends that you guys have found as best practice? It's a very good question. One of the first things that's the most important thing is always have a backup of your information, whether you store it on your computer, whether you store it into a you know, cloud service, but you want to have a backup of all, of all your information. That's the number one thing. We didn't touch on this, but one of the things that could happen is like from a virus, is basically it's a ransomware where your computer will become unusable and then you'll be held up for ransom. You've seen this with the pipeline. Sure. Know, with the ransom, $4.4 million, I think they paid. Clone to a get pipeline. Yeah, clone a pipeline. Very timely, right? Yeah. So, you know, even at your personal computer, you may have some 
pictures that are very important. You know, the price list. There could be important financial information. So you, the number one thing is you want to have a backup of your information. That's the hallmark because no matter what happens, at least you can restore and come back. Sure. Next thing that's really important would be multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. This means that when you log into your financial website, you log into your email, you log into your social media accounts, whatever they are, they need to be on you know basically a two-factor system. So you put your password in first, and then a text message or an application will then validate a code that you need to put in so it, it can validate that it's actually you. Something that's emailed to you or, or text message to you some other way, right, besides you just putting it in. Correct, the secondary way. Because let's say that there's a breach at Home Depot, sure. okay, that goes on the dark web. I can look up information on dark web very easily, and I'm not a hacker or anything like that. So I could find your password, Jason, like that from Home Depot. And let's say you use that also for your banking information, and you didn't have two-factor on. I technically could log in with your username and your with maybe your email address and that information, and I'm, now I'm in your system. Or same thing with your email. So now I'm in your email system being able to do whatever I want to do. Now, take two-factor. Let's say I do get your password from the dark web. However, I try to log in, and then you're going to get a message on your phone that you're trying to log in from, from North Korea. Yeah. So this, so, <laughs> I haven't been in North <laughs> Korea in years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to basically protect you. Now, some of the technology now has really improved that if you try to log in outside of the country or you try to log in somewhere where you're not normally, it will, it'll stop you. And, you know, like the, there's technology built into the actual platform. Locking it down a little it, bit. Locking it down a little bit. So that if it's atypical, you know, it's traffic, it'll, you know, companies are getting better with that. But the two-factor will really stop that only having a name and password threat from that perspective. So I think that's really another another area because emails were the main spot where they're trying to get in and attack you from there. And, and that's one of those things where I, I feel like because it's not necessarily financial that we think of when we think of our email, it's probably some of the weakest. And I know personally, I mean, I've had my Gmail for a million years and they never ask you to redo your password. So my it's probably the same password I've had for a long time. But the two-factor, you can kind of get away from, like, changing your password a lot as long as it's a good password. But, right. But, you know, and also use different passwords for different things, you know. So don't use – especially your financial and your most important things that have those passwords to be different. Because let's say you didn't have two-factor and, you know, they got your password and, boom, they have the keys at Kingdom. They can get every single system right. that you possibly, you know, could have there. You know, well, I know so. managing passwords is one of the things that's probably, like, the bane of our existence. I read a blog post like a couple days ago, and it was talking about how, I think it was Bill Gates or one of the big tech giants, like 20 years ago said, passwords are not long for this world. Well, 20 years later, we still think I have 75 passwords. You're right. The passwords are, you know, they're still around, but there are some good password managers out there you can use. One in particular is called LastPass, and that allows you to two-factor authenticate, securely store your passwords, and being able to you know, access all your information Easily, Apple has their keychain sure. as well. So there's there's definitely tools out there to help with managing the, the passwords. You don't have to remember all in your head. And you definitely shouldn't keep them on a spreadsheet on your computer, right? Not a spreadsheet on a computer. <laughs> I'd be better if you have a little, if you have to write them down in a book, that's okay. Just don't lose the book. Just don't lose the Just book. Just don't lose the book. Yeah. You'll be all right. That, that's a better option than, than having a spreadsheet on your computer, for sure. So what do you guys think looking forward and some of the threats that you see on the horizon or, or things that are going to be new that people should be aware of? You know, what do you think about? It's more of a general thing. I think there's just going to be more cyber threats that happen across, across the country and just going to continue to increase until we can get some more defenses and basically in play for, for the entire country. As an infrastructure. As an infrastructure, right. Because they are starting to see that that's ransomware. The, the government's taking some action on this ransomware because it's affecting 
so many things. I mean, with the pipeline. That's national security. That's national this security. Point. And I think they're going to see increased standards on companies like mine, like that we protect businesses, that we're going to be vetted, that we have a certain level of security and we're providing certain standards. I think there'll be legislation that businesses need to have certain technologies in place to protect consumers. So I think that's the next thing that's going to happen over time that's going to increase security for basically everybody, you know, because it's just companies can do what they you know do what they want you know if they can have a lot of security and not a lot of security and there's really so, no standard yeah, there's standard you have healthcare is regulated sure. financials regulated big companies. big companies they are they're regulated but they need to have that that additional maybe audited being audited on on key infrastructure that they do have the technology in place well, we've even noticed that that's one of the issues is sometimes you know these bad actors they realize that and they come down market to smaller companies because they realize they're a little more exposed and they're easy you know they might not be quite as big of a hit as it would be hacking into virtua but a small doctor's office or a financial office or something like that if it's easier more easily accessible you know they go for that yeah definitely low hanging fruit they're going to go for something that's easy to do and basically cast a wide net it's very easy i could send out a ransomware if i wanted to i just buy a 50 dollar a month package and i could start sending emails out and start doing it but you know, it's just it's, – it's so accessible to do it, but uh, it's a problem. It really is an issue, and we really need to take some action to take cybersecurity seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate the time you spent with us here, Tim, and sharing some great information with our listeners. For all the listeners out there, if you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes or on Spotify, however you listen to the Dollarize podcast. And if you have any recommendations or anything you want us to talk about on the podcast, please email us at info at hfmadvisors.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. Please note that registration does not imply any level of skill or training. All investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There is no guarantee that any strategy will be successful. The content of this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment or financial advice. Everyone's situation is unique, so we recommend you discuss any potential strategies with your own professional advisors before implementing them for yourself. 